0: Never mind. Right this moment, help us, dear God, in Jesus' great name. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody said, "Praise "Praise the Lord." If you have a Bible this morning, if you don't, wave at us, and we'll get somebody near you and help you. I'm going to read a very important scripture. Found in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root. Out of a dry ground, he hath no form, nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs. We have turned away, I'm sorry, uh, we have turned away every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit, his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, and when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Everybody said "Praise praise the Lord. This is what a man in a desert in a chariot having much authority over a lot of money, found himself reading when the preacher walked up on him and joined himself to his chariot. I'd like to work for a little while this morning on don't despise the little. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The, uh, there are many things in life that people look down on, many things that people ridicule, make fun of, uh, many things that people mind you of Goliath looking at David and calling him a dog and a child and just belittling him in every which way that he could. I had a scripture on my heart last night, and I, we got it looked up in Second uh, Peter 1 Peter chapter 2, rather, and it said, talked about Jesus in the days of his flesh, who when he was reviled, he reviled not back, that uh, when he was talked bad about, when he was condescended to, people looked down their nose and they had things to say that were far from complimentary, things that were cutting and hurtful and harmful. Nobody said that sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. It's not exactly true because uh, there are things that can hurt your psyche, things that can get into your spirit. The Bible talked about a wounded spirit. Who can bear? And uh, there are things that the enemy will use people. Spirits will rise up through people. Things do get said that are harmful and hurtful. And things that are designed to make you feel small and little. But uh, here we had a man, and he is—he's uh, riding along in the desert. And God has de- decided to send one of His His men, who might also been looked upon as little and small. He was a maker of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and a pourer of iced tea and uh, his job was to minister to the widow women there in the church at Jerusalem. He was one of the seven. Don't you love it when people call them seven deacons? That means they were somebody needs to know that means they were seven helpers. They weren't sitting around a boardroom telling the preacher what to do. They were making sandwiches and pouring drinks For neglected for at least people who thought they were neglected and complained to the point that the apostles said well we've got a little more important things to do let's see if we can find a few deacons around here to make some sandwiches and go help out because we literally need some helpers now that might have seemed small to some people but I'm sure to those hungry thirsty feeling neglected widows that they felt like it was a big thing they felt like we we We've got to voice our complaint. And they did to the point that they were the squeaky wheel and they got somebody's attention, didn't they? And it was the same thing uh, that is more or less shown in your Bible about other instances of Mike blind Bartimaeus. He's sitting on the side of the road. He's just sitting there. He's blind. He's not seeing anything. But he heard something. Nothing wrong with his hearing. They do say that when one one of your senses goes, the rest of them get sharper and more heightened. And, And so his hearing was real good, and he began to pick up some voice, and he began to hear some words, and he began to put two and two together. And he realized that Jesus was coming down the road. And the Bible said that at blind Bartimaeus, he began to cry out. And as he did... The disciples looked at him, and they probably saw some raggy clothes, and his shoes or his sandals weren't washed, and his feet not clean, and he was just sitting on the side of the road. But he's crying out; he's calling for Jesus. The disciples told him to be quiet. Leave the master alone; he's busy. He's got some very important things to do. You just be quiet. Sit there. Be quiet now. But you know what? They said that. And that just made him cry the louder. That just made him scream the more. And I suppose, too, with that sharp sense of hearing, that uh, he began to realize that Jesus was passing him by. The crowd was going by. And the direction of the voices had changed. And he picked that up, and he cried the louder, and he cried the more. And so much so that them thinking he was just little and of insignificant value there, But Jesus stopped everything. And he got old blind Bartimaeus. And he said, well, what would you have me to do? And he said, that I might see. And the Lord healed him from his blindness. Because he was little and he was small, at least looked upon that way. And what his problem was, not so important, insignificant. There's so many other things. Well, I'm going to read to you Also, from the Old Testament, we have just read from uh, Isaiah. I'd like to read to you a verse from the book of Micah. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Now, these are a little, possibly a little more challenging for you to find, or you could just listen. I'm reading right from the Word of God, Micah, chapter 5, and verse 2. But though thou Bethlehem, Ephratah, Bethlehem meaning house of bread, Though thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from of old, even from everlasting. Here is the spirit of the Lord. Speaking through the prophet Micah and having him put it to pen, a word of encouragement to this area, that small, little, possibly impoverished, and yet he says, though you're little among the thousands lost in the crowd though your are little among the thousands of Judah, he said, yet out of thee, out of thee. The Bible said about despising the day of, of small things. We've got to be careful. He's described, Jesus says, in prophecy as someone you might just possibly overlook. There was no beauty or comeliness about him. There wasn't anything that was going to, outwardly, that was going to arrest or grab your attention. Wasn't there. Was never designed to be about the natural. Was never designed to be about the fleshly. Was never designed to be about the things that your natural fleshly carnal senses operate on not at all but this was designed and is designed to appeal to your inner person to your inner self to your spirit to that which was created after the image and the likeness of God for God is a spirit and everybody said amen God is everywhere. There is no country that He's not in right now. And There is no house or person that He doesn't know about them. And it's not only been said He knows everybody, but He knows everybody by their name. He knows everything about everybody, and that should make us be a little concerned, shouldn't it? But uh, the thing that you want to keep in mind is that the church that Jesus gave birth to. Just like he showed here out of something little, small, lost among the crowd. He said, I'm going to bring the one out of there. The one that's going to be the ruler. The one whose goings is from everlasting or from eternity. You're going to be looking if you're not careful. You're going to be caught looking in the wrong direction, in the wrong places. Your expectations are going to be built around the wrong things, And consequently, you're going to miss him when he passes you by. You're not going to catch that certain sound. You're not going to pick up on that spirit. You're going to miss that. Because your expectations are going to be built around fleshly and carnal and natural things. You're going to be looking for the biggest and the baddest thing in town, and you're going to miss it. You're going to, to miss it, but you know, here's a man in the desert, in a chariot, and he has been given charge over a great treasury of a country known as Ethiopia, in the northeastern part of the, the continent of Africa. And this man is out there in a hot desert and he's in the chariot. They hadn't invented air conditioning yet. He's just going along there, but he's reading God's Word. And in reading God's Word, he's reading Isaiah 53. And it seems like materializing, he probably thought it was a, a, a mirage coming out of the heat. Probably, oh! I'm seeing things. What is this guy doing here? This pourer of iced tea and spreader of cheese or peanut butter or something. What is this guy doing here? But you see, this guy, though he might look like little, and he looked dusty, I'm sure, and like not much of anything, out there walking. Dude ain't even got a chariot. Walking. But out of something small, oftentimes, by God's design, comes something great. And the question that he asked of this man in the chariot, he looks at him and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I? Except some man should guide me. He said, I'm wondering, is Is the writer here, Isaiah, is he talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? And what a beautiful opening that was. How good it is when you give the Word of God an opening in your life. When you stop having your pre and misconceptions about things. Being locked in by traditions or by pride. And that you you begin to realize that Isaiah said he's like a root out of dry ground. Going to be something tender here. He wasn't describing anything that would be considered to be uh, you know, overwhelming or or something that uh, would loom up before a person. Not at all. But that, let me read to you from the, well, let me tell you also, in the book of Judges, one man described himself as the least in my father's house. So we've got an individual that is mightily used of God saying, I'm the least in my father's house. Why have you appeared unto me? Why are you calling me? Why are you talking to me? Did you ever stop to think that you are one of billions and that yet as little insignificant as that makes you, that God is talking to your heart. Are you asking the question that you need to be asking? Who's this talking about? What's he trying to convey through his word here? What is he trying to impress in my mind here? I need a little guidance on this. I need a a little help here. The Apostle Paul. Now, when you talk about the Apostle Paul, You're talking about somebody that was used to write probably 50% or more of the New Testament. Okay? And it did it under not what you would consider to be ideal conditions. But it did it from a hole in the ground because that's how their prisons were in those days. And that you sat down in the bottom of that hole in the ground amidst all the filth and the vermin running around wallering all around you and in the midst of all of that this man who said I am the least and I'm not even it's not even proper to call me an apostle he said yet this man that you and I know from the book to be a writer of used of God to write probably 50% or more of the New Testament this man who was given a messenger of Satan to buffet him because of the abundance of the revelations that God gave to him that are borne out in the Scripture to be true and proper and right and of God. This man who was a, a starter of many congregations, churches, works throughout the known world, this man that you and I would call the great Apostle Paul, considered himself to be the least considered himself as one who was born late or born out of due season people who have maintained humble attitudes. people who have brought their mind if you please out of the clouds and down a little bit to a more level place where they can be approached where they can be spoken to where they can be dealt with. You know, the wisdom that comes from above is not porcupine wisdom. It's not got its stiff quills out where you can't get near it without hurting yourself. The wisdom from above that's from God, that wisdom is easily entreated. You can approach this. You can talk to this person. You can can reason with this person. You're not going to find them to be unreasonable, you're not going to find them to be uh, to be reviling you when you try to speak with them. That they're not going to treat you like again, like Goliath treated David. But it was uh, a little lad coming fresh from the workings of the Lord and the experience that the Lord gave, that brought his sling and his stone. When everybody else said, we'll give you something greater. And he said, I don't know anything about that stuff. I've never even tested that stuff. I'm going to take out there what I've found to be tried, tested, and proven. Sounds like Jeremiah when he said, you should ask for that. You should ask for that old path where it is the good way. And you should walk therein. You should choose the experienced path. You should choose that which is chapter and verse. You should choose subject matter, rightly dividing the word of truth. You should choose terminologies and language that are in the book. And you should reject. I heard one man going on about God, that God in essence is this, and God in essence is that. And using all kinds of terms that were not in the Bible. And thusly, he was not describing God. He was describing tradition. He was describing commentary. He was taking people into theory land where you will get lost. How much better that you'd realize that God chose to use an average of three and four letter words In your Bible, across 1,189 chapters in the Word of God, He chose to use small words to get our hearts' attention. He chose to use things small, little, and insignificant, yet out of it He brings great things. Your Bible said and tells us about that little grain of mustard seed, how it is the least of the seeds, and yet God said, look what it does you got to know something about that mustard seed. It is tenacious. It is strong. It is overcoming. It absolutely ignores drought. It ignores the sun. It ignores the weather. It ignores the things that fight against it. But out of it, out of it, comes a great big tree. Amen. Amen. You don't want to miss what God is doing in the earth because all you can see is the big billboards, the big screens, the the big buildings, the big everything that the, the enemy is promoting in the earth in an attempt to blind the eyes of your mind so that you don't see. You know, you really do see with your mind. You know that. Your eyes take in light but it's your mind that really sees and You can see, your mind, in other words, can get on all the wrong things. And in so doing, you can become uh, blinded to what God is doing. You can become distracted from what God is doing. You can, as I said, begin to look in wrong directions at wrong things. And you can miss what God is doing in the earth. You can become mesmerized by the seven wonders of the world. And you could be uh, completely hypnotized by uh, society and what is going on throughout society and how that man feels, remember Nimrod in your Bible uh, presumably that would be an Assyrian and that Nimrod uh, was a mighty hunter before the Lord meaning the Lord was watching him and looking at what he was doing and uh, he, he said let's, let's go to now and let's build us a tower to heaven in other words I'm going to bypass God, we don't need God we can do this ourselves. Let us build our own way to heaven. We don't need this God that different ones are talking about. We don't need that. Look what we're going to build. People are going to marvel over this. People are going to be taken by this. People are going to think this is really it. Somebody said to me not too long ago about how beautiful our, our building that we're in construction on. And I said, it's, that's not the beauty that I want you to see. I can't wait till you get to come inside. And see the beauty that's going to be in there. And I'm not talking about paintings and they're going to be beautiful. And I'm not talking about however we do the walls and the lighting. That's all good and fine. But I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about the Spirit of the Lord. I'm talking about God's presence coming down in in a way, in a manner. That people will be saved and people will be healed. And people will experience the presence of Almighty God. Oh yeah. Church, that I, that's why I don't want uh, in our sanctuary. I don't want uh, things that compete against God. I don't want things that uh, hinder and, and cause people to get distracted. I'm not in favor of screens and pumping all kinds of information all over. it. I went to church one time that they had a ticker tape. looked like Wall Street or something. Announcements going. I said, how in the world is anybody ever going to get their mind on God and what's going on here with that going by you? And, and your mind is going to pick that up. Your eyes, your, your mind is going to see that and be attracted to that. I don't, I don't want that. I remember when I came up in the church when I was 20 years old and I'd been distracted by many things in life. And I remember that a man came to a service, he and his wife. Well, they didn't come to a service, actually. They came to the building. And um, they were uh, Jewish people. And they, when they came in the building, they came through the lobby and they were looking for us and uh, my pastor and myself, I guess, and, and the doors were shut to the sanctuary. And I think either myself or somebody was in the sanctuary, and it was, it's a pretty big place, and you wouldn't have been noticed too quickly. And they stepped in. And when they stepped in, you heard them say, Did you feel that? The other one said, Yeah, I felt that. That's what we want. We want you to feel God. We don't want God to be drowned out here. We, we don't want God to, to get lost, shall we say, in the midst of so many other things in our mind. You know what I'm saying? That so many different thoughts and so many different distractions and so many things that you've got your mind on. Uh, what did it say in, in your Bible in Ecclesiastes about the inventions of man and that those inventions, in other words, there's no end to those things. And yet the more that man is involved with them, yet his appetite is not satisfied. He still can't get enough. It just doesn't get the job done. So the enemy just keeps pumping out more things and more things and more things. And people as uh, Nehemiah said, they're uh, running to and fro uh, like torches. Their cars and their vehicles and the, the busyness and the population of our society just going to and fro, to and fro. And people are are absolutely plugged into everything except God and they're missing what the real true eternal God is doing because they're looking for him in the next invention or the next gadget that's coming along but you know the Bible teaches that out of a crowd of 500 which isn't too bad of a number and out of that there came 120 120 that didn't allow family and friends, fellow employees or anybody else to negatively affect them or to distract them or to talk them out of what God was doing. And as they obeyed the word of the Lord that came from the lips of Jesus Christ, they went about a half a mile further from where they were at to a city called Jerusalem. And they gathered together in the upper room of a church house. And there they begin to do what Jesus told them begin to pray, to begin to supplicate, to begin to praise and to begin to worship so that they would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that they would receive the promise of the Spirit, which they had been told about by Jesus over and over and over again, that the Holy Ghost is going to come. The Holy Ghost is going to, uh, he said, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going away. He said, yet I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He said, I will come unto you. And in that day, you'll know that I'm in you because the Holy Ghost is coming in my name. And they already knew his name was Jesus Christ. They got that one going pretty good in their minds. And so when they gathered together in that upper room, and they it's just a small little group of people. Jerusalem was a very large city, and there was teeming people there, and it overflowed, if you please, at certain times of the year because people made religious journeys to come there pilgrimage to come to Jerusalem to try to worship. Only many of them were like the woman that Jesus sat on the well and said, you don't know what you worship. Let me help you out a little bit. If you just ask me, I would give to you. I'd give you something you'd never be thirsty again. Your religion's going to leave you high and dry and thirsty. Your inventions are going to leave you wanting another invention. And uh, you're just going to live your life tripping over yourself and being distracted about everything, and you're going to miss it. He said, if you would ask me right here and right now, I would give to you. Well, that's what they did in the upper room. They begin to ask him. They begin to contend for the promise of the Spirit that was said and and offered to them. And you're going to get this. And they begin to do that until the Bible teaches that there came a sound from heaven. A rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit of God, and you know there was mockers, there were detractors, there were people that said, you know, like Naaman said, uh, "Why do I got to dip in this river of Jordan? This old muddy river of Jordan, this this thing don't look so good to me. I got better rivers in other places. I know all the best fishing holes and all the best dipping places. What you got me going in this for?" And uh, how many people look at things that way? How many people? allow themselves to to be turned in wrong directions because of people's comments and because their comments are based on all the wrong intel, all the wrong way of looking at things. But about 120, which included Mary, the mother of the flesh, she birthed that flesh. She brought that babe into the world because the Spirit of the living God spoke the Word, and that which was conceived in her was of His Holy Spirit. And after the due course of nature, she produced the flesh. She produced the offspring, if you please. But she didn't know at that time, but she came to know that He was also the root. He wasn't just the offspring, He was the root. He is the Alpha and He is the Omega. He is the beginning and He is the ending, saith the Lord. You better understand, He is the Lord and He is the Christ. There's only one God. And one God who is a spirit chose to come in the flesh. He chose to robe himself in flesh and walk among people just like us. But who did he go to? He said, I didn't come to the righteous. He said, I come to those that are in sin. I've come to seek and to sacrifice. I didn't come to the healthy and the strong and the mighty before God he said I came to those that are down and out I came to those that are sick and afflicted I've come to those that need me and I'm going to find them and I'm going to tell my people my church to go into the highways and the hedges and to find them and bring them in my house might be full amen my house might be full and so When the Holy Ghost fell that day, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, they all began to speak with other tongues or languages as His Spirit gave them the utterance. Nothing should be so, uh, it it is so supernatural, but at the same time, it doesn't need to scare you. Uh, You take a little baby, you're going to teach that baby by example how to speak. You're going to teach that baby by example. A book or an alphabet or different things, blends and consonants, uh, phonics, so that 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 child can begin to uh, speak. And so it is. Use what what is in there, the brain and the tongue and the breathing apparatus. All of these things, these muscles are used uh, in speaking. And that's what's going to take place. And that baby, if, if you're English speaking, will learn English. And that baby, if you're French Creole, will learn French Creole. And you can go on with each example, and I'm sure you understand. But when the Bible teaches now, what is so difficult about that? The baby starts off and sounds intelligible to you. What is all the goo-goo and the gaga going on here anyway? Uh, but you know what, you get another baby in the room and they pretty melt, they, they start melting there. they getting together they got their little goo goo and their little gaga and they're understanding one another, their little eyes are lighting up and they're just so happy and, and they have their own little way friend, until it finally gets to a level to where an adult begins to understand what they're saying, well I'm trying to tell you the Apostle Paul, who I'm pretty sure you would consider not to be an unintelligible person, that the Bible said he was glad when he Got the Holy Ghost, he said. I spake in tongues more than you all. He also described the tongues or the language of men and angels. Now, see, there you go again, because you start thinking, oh, that angelic tongue, that must be really. How do you know it's not Gugu and Gaga? How do you know? How do you know? You you have you're familiar with the tongue of an angel? You have some example, maybe? You know? Do you want to give me a little sample? No, I didn't think so. So be careful. You know, people have mocked and people have blasphemed and people have made fun. And I'll I'll grant you, there's a devil and he's a mocker. I will grant you that there are people with strong human spirits. I will grant you that the enemy will rise up and do all kinds of things and imitate all kinds of things. He is a mocker. But you don't go down the street and, and you take out your wallet and you got a $10 bill that's counterfeit and say, oh, and so rip all the rest of the money out of your wallet and throw it away when you throw away that counterfeit. No, you don't do that. So you don't throw away the real with the fake, do you? It's better to get the fake out of the way and keep the real, isn't it? It's the same thing with the devil. We we don't hate you. We just hate that devil, and we want to separate you from that devil. We don't hate uh, you because you've got cancer. We want to get rid of the cancer and keep you full of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And that's the way the church operates. They came out of that upper room in the face of people mocking and making fun and calling them drunk and all kinds of things. But friend, they were speaking in a language that the many of the people who had journeyed from different countries understood what they were saying hey that dude over there you see that tall one he kind of looks like a burly fisherman that dude he's a local guy but he is talking my language and i'm from all the way over there in africa how's he doing that well God was just teaching him how to do that that's all God just teaching him allowing him giving him the utterance the bible said. they were all filled with the holy ghost they all began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. It was written in a book about um, Albert Einstein. And again, no small brain there. Albert Einstein, I believe he was somewhere around 12 years old before he spoke his first word. Now we're looking for people to talk before they're 12. Okay? And... uh the story went on to tell that they were sitting at, at their dining room table. Mother, father, Albert and whoever else, another you know, brother or sister I suppose. and, and uh, they, they began their meal with, with soup. And uh, Now mind you, Albert is 12 years old and he's never uttered a word. Never said anything. You think they were a little bit worried about Albert? And, uh, and you know, this dude's never spoke. He was, you know, had a lot of hair going funny different ways. And, and, uh, you know, Albert, uh, he wore those funky sweaters, you know, old cardigans, the pockets, you know. Albert's just sitting there. And, uh, out of something small, sometimes, very often in God's eyes, comes something very important, very big. And, uh, all of a sudden, everybody's just eating. You know, it's very quiet. I Albert goes, soup's cold. All the rest of the heads came up. Albert. Albert looks. You just spoke. Albert, you're 12. You've never spoken. Why why did you choose to speak now? He said, because nothing was ever out of order before. (laughs) I guess the soup was always the right temperature before. I guess the sun came up and the moon came up and the stars shone and, you know, everything was in order and that's how Albert's mind worked. So why say something if there's no need to say anything? Well, let me tell you, you get the Holy Ghost. You're going to speak forth. You're going to speak forth because things have been set in order. Not at order, but in order. And God is going to set it right in your life. In your heart. Amen. Amen. So they were. So that's why the apostle Peter said, These aren't drunk like you think. You may, you may think they're drunk. And uh, he said, but they're not drunk like you think. He said, oh, intoxicated? Yes, they are. But they're intoxicated on what, you know, it's like we got people across the country making fun of people who are obedient. They are reviling people who love God and the chapter and verse and the subject matter and who hold to the teachings of the Word of God and walk in the Path wherein is the good way that Jeremiah said to call for that on that highway of holiness where no unclean thing shall traverse thereon. And they, they make fun and they say, Oh, you're drinking the Kool Aid. Well, I got news for them it's not Kool Aid like you suppose. We're drinking new wine. We're drinking the wine from heaven. We're drinking the Holy Ghost wine. We're not drinking the the wine of the world anymore. We're not drinking the poison of the world anymore. We're not taken in by the the disobedient spirits and the horrible condescending attitudes. We're not taking that in anymore. Neither are we giving it out anymore. Because now we've got the Holy Ghost. And we've been cleansed. We've been cleansed. So the small little group that toddled its way down the, from the Mount of Olives in Bethany a half a mile further, approximately down the road, and trudged their way up to the upper room of the church house, and began to pray and begin to worship. They were glad to go to church. Thank God they didn't go to the soccer game that day. Thank God they didn't go to the, uh, some other sporting event that day. Thank God they didn't stop off at the local tavern that day probably where the 380 went on their way to their religious deals. They probably had to stop and check on the big screen and and get their favorite. um, I had a guy tell me one time, he said, I go to so-and-so bar. I said, why would you go there? He goes, man, they got the best hot wings. I don't need a hot wing that bad. And he didn't either. He could have done without a few wings, you know. If you need something so bad that you're going to cross God's word, you're in trouble. You better get your priorities right, that God comes first. And I don't need anything so bad that I'm going to be disobedient to God. I need to put that under my feet. I need to claim Holy Ghost victory here. When they came to the upper room, they put a lot of things behind them. They left 380 people telling them, go with us, go with us, go with us. And they headed right on down the road and said, no, we're going where Jesus told us to go. We're going to do what Jesus said to do. That's one of our young men the other day told somebody. said, I'm doing what senior pastor and senior sister Feld are teaching me. And said, and you used to do the same thing and say the same thing. So who's backing up here? Who's going in wrong directions here? You get your mind, I'm going to get to the church house. I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. It may look little, but don't kid yourself. What God can bring out of little is much. He can do that. How about, how about a little boy? Little boy at a picnic. Hey boy, what you got? He said, well, fishing wasn't too good today. I only got a few fish and a few loaves. Mama was feeling tired, and she didn't make too much bread, and, and the pond wasn't turning out much fish. I just got a few fish and a few loaves. And the disciples said, that's all we got, Lord. And you know what? That ain't going to feed this group. The Lord said, give it here. Don't make fun of the fish and the loaves are small. Don't make fun of small things. Don't make fun. Don't look down. It's just that you have limited the possibilities in your mind. He said, you give me that, and let me show you what we're going to do with that. He said, first of all, we're going to bless it. We're going to break this bread, and we're going to give thanks for this bread. And then from there, he said, you go ahead and serve it up.' I'm going to serve it out. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm not going to get five people. Look at that guy. i get five people down the road, and them guys are already going to gobble all that up. There won't be any for the next. And they were sitting in companies of 50 and hundreds. There was 4,000. In another place, there was 5,000. And that didn't count the women and the children. Can make a look there, but I think I'll let it go by. So there they are. Four and five thousand, two different instances. And yet, he multiplied it. He multiplied it. How many people have seen God take what little they have and bless them and multiply it? And absolutely wonder how did that happen? I, I heard a woman stand right up in this congregation and she said. My husband only is the one that works. I don't work. I'm at home. She said, we've got, well, I think they had four or five kids. And, uh, and she said, when I came in the church, she said, I didn't really have any clothes. She said, and, and money certainly was tight. And she said, and when we came in the church, she said, now, she said, we're not rich. She said, but we're doing good. We're, we got a little money in the bank, and we're paying our bills. And she said, my closet's busting out with clothes. She said, "Man, it's just amazing." Well, I'm trying to tell you, if you'll be thankful and you'll obey what He says, and you will look down on God's plan, some people say, "I ain't gonna give my tithe. I ain't gonna give my tithe." You know. Then you get people that talk like that, and they do it, and then you got people that say, "I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it." You never see a dime. You never see a dime. <laughs> but you know what? You just go ahead. I've told. I have told um, all kinds of people, and I have told people that are in finance, people that are um, stockbroker type people and all the financial planners and everything. And I tell them the greatest plan is God's plan. That's the plan that works. And do you know that there were men that did not have biblical truth, but they had that truth. Men like J.P. Morgan, people who were uh, in history were were barons. They, They absolutely were considered tycoons, but they tithed unto the Lord let me tell you it is a plan that will work you can take seed and, and you could be a terrible farmer but if that seed's good and you get it out there especially in this soil around here friend it's going to come up and it's going to produce I'm trying to tell you something this word is the certified seed and this world out there needs this seed and don't be afraid that it's so little and it's just so small and it's so insignificant you take what God has and it will work learn to give 10 cents on the dollar and see how it will work. And it takes more than two or three weeks. Even a crop of radishes takes 21 days under ideal conditions. So, you know, don't give your 10 cents this morning and look for the multiplication tonight, okay? You gotta gotta prove yourself. You gotta prove your sincerity. You have gotta get in this thing. Everybody said hallelujah. Everybody said praise the Lord. I want you to believe with me this morning. From that upper room, that's the church that Jesus started, Acts chapter 2. And he sent that church, and they went forth. They were given instructions. When they got this experience, and you got to get the experience first, and when they got that experience and baptized in Jesus' name, they burst out of that upper room. And they were so intoxicated on the Spirit of the Lord that nobody could hold them down. They whipped them, they beat them, they threw them in jail. They threatened them in every which way. And the more they did that, the more they told it. And the more they told it, the more God confirmed the preaching of His Word. Just this little group of about 120 began to fill, as was, they were accused of filling the city, the large city of Jerusalem, with their doctrine they told them straightly do not preach the name of jesus christ do not baptize in jesus name and they did it more and they did it more they said you judge in yourself whether it's right for us to obey man or to obey god said we're choosing god over you we're choosing god over your condescending ways we're choosing god over your lying tongue we're choosing god over your inventions we are going and they went and everywhere they went, congregations were birthed into new areas. And I'm thankful to tell you this morning that out of this little church right here in Belgrade, we have birthed the work in Palms West. We have birthed the work in Arcadia. We have birthed the work in Fort Myers. We have birthed the work in Lake Plaza. And there's going to be more work right out of here. Don't despise the little. Don't despise the small. Amen and amen. People can say what they want to say, and they certainly will, and you can remain standing. People will say things, and people will try to deny, and people will try to put down, and people will try to, like Goliath, treat you like it's nothing. But you know what God's done. You know what God's done in your heart. You know what God is doing and has done, and you're aware of it. And you hold on to that. You believe that. You trust in that. You praise God for that. And you tell yourself, yes, I'm the least. But you know what? As the least, he said, I'm going to bring something out of that. I'm not going to let myself begin to despise what I don't have. I'm going to thank God for what I do have. I'm, and most importantly, I'm thanking him for being washed in his blood in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen and amen. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Give God another big hand. Thank you. Everybody said, Hallelujah. I well remember when we stepped out by faith. And we started to work in 1993 in a storefront about 35 miles west of here, east of here, southern centers, right next to Joanne Fabrics. Oh, ladies, you must remember that. And uh, they gave us, they wouldn't even talk. And God blessed me to go there and got a contract with them. I still have the contract, got my name on it, corporation name. And we opened that church. And we started with absolutely nobody. And uh, we sent teams, and we worked hard, and we everybody cooperated. And the time came when God blessed us to buy five acres of land. Once again, we bought that land from here, and we are on the deed, and it is a corporationally owned thing. And God gave it to us, close to $300,000 in five acres of land. And from there, we built a building that's 22,000 square feet. And I thank God for Him giving that to us, and for everybody that cooperated willingly to be a part and to build that and to do that. I thank God for that. Out of this little work right here, out of this little... Holy Ghost filled baptized in Jesus name hard working church family believing God trusting God loving God and those of you that are new and are coming in I'm telling you we're starting another work another daughter work in the same pattern as the original early church did things we're doing the same pattern this birth giving birth to this church giving birth to new works in new fields and everybody said amen Amen. and those are daughter works and I thank God for that Let's give God a big hand. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lift our hearts with our hands and let's worship him, shall we? Thank you, Lord.
1: You are the awesome mighty one. Your enemies they better run now. They are no match, no comparison. God on the cross to overcome you took the sting out of death that day. Conquering both hell and the grave, and defeated all these things. What can you do in this place?